So tomorrow, uh, since uh, the Sarado is going to give the precepts, uh, we will have a, a break for tonight. <laughs> so we can nevertheless pay homage to the Buddha. Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo Three times is enough. <laughs> yes, mm. we will talk a little bit also about the precepts. So to tonight it's uh, it's not a freestyle, but uh, maybe. <laughs> so to for a conclusion uh, conclusion of um, of uh, the retreat. Uh, um, what to say? What to say? <laughs> so actually, since I like very much simile, I don't know if you like uh, what I say about them, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, you remember I talk about Lindbergh, who flew from, uh, from uh, America to Europe. So also in Buddhism or in the Buddha's teaching, uh, it is uh, said about crossing the flood. So there is a kind of simile with uh, crossing a river or crossing uh, uh, some amount of water, crossing also the ocean. So uh, I don't know if you did manage to build up a plane like Lindbergh and then flew. Uh, in so short a time over Atlantic and reach your uh, aim. Maybe, but maybe not. And uh, if not, then we have to remember we are not so much in a hurry. What we are looking for is quality. What this is very important quality. So, if we cannot cross the Atlantic by plain. Well, maybe we can use also the sea mail. We have the air mail and then the sea mail. So, so then we have to be more patient, especially if we don't have a motor. And uh, if we look like a, I want to come across, you know, a kind of parallel <laughs> that, uh, that can be easy to do and that can be interesting to do for us with, uh, with our practice. And, uh, Recently, a friend gave me, you know, an article from the National Geographic, and it is talking about um, the old ways that the old ways that uh, people used to sail, and actually, uh, traveling by sea is not new at all from the from the Western point of view. Those who were born in islands. Then, from birth, they are surrounded by water. So, what are the cultures that uh, uh, are the island, you know, who are very much in close uh, to the water were? Actually, the Polynesian, Polynesia. You know where this is now? 
So, uh, the story here is about uh, the, the navigator of these days, and they are called the wayfinders. Why? The wayfinders, that means they found new paths, they found new ways to spread their own civilization, to spread their own culture, and also to extend the domain of their knowledge, the, the domain of their um, uh, implement, implantation on the earth. So they, for, for, for that purpose, because of uh, the big amount of water to which uh, these islands of Polynesia, like uh, here, it is said that uh, the original uh, Polynesian actually came from New Guinea. Huh? So New, New Guinea is uh, close to close to New Zealand, close to uh, New Caledonia, in, in that area, close to Australia also. Anyway, anyway, it's just, uh, it is just an island. And, uh, and their culture, the Polynesian culture actually, started from there, from New Guinea, and then it spread all over uh, the island of Pacific. And then it started actually even 10,000 years before Christ, long time ago. And here they say that uh, it was the prehistoric uh, area, is it? So I will read a little bit, and then uh, we will use our imagination. If you have any suggestion, then also you can raise your hand, your hand. But also, if you can try to make in your mind the journey the search. For things to discover. So it's not a search from outside. There is a parallel already with the, the discoverers, the, the, the adventurers that, that, that sail through the seas or through space, or through mountains and forests. And this is the spirit of discovery, the spirit of, um, of research. Mm -hmm. So, if we came here and then involved ourselves for four months, we did research something, and it's an inward journey. So, uh, we'll try to make some parallel with uh, the people of the water. So they say here that uh, these people, you know, from New Guinea, uh, they set out to settle a, a world. And then within five centuries, perhaps 20 generations, and sailing against the prevailing winds, they crossed 2,000 miles of water to search not only Fiji, but beyond to Samoa and Tonga. So that means they went to all the way to Tahiti, and then to Hawaii. And they made this journey 10,000 years before the birth of Christ. And the sailors traveled in open canoes, built with tools made from coral, stone, and human bone. Their sails were woven from pandanus, the planking, Soon, together with cordage, spun from coconut fiber, cracks were sealed with breadfruit, sap, and resins. 
exposed to the elements, the sun by day, the cold wind by night, with hunger and thirst as a constant companions, these people crossed thousands of miles of ocean, discovering new lands, some the size of small continents, others mere islands, atolls, less than half a mile in diameter, with no landmarks higher than a coconut tree. So they say also that uh, at that time, at a certain point, they, they stop, they stop, you know, and then they settle in one of the uh, island uh, called Tonga. I didn't look on the map, but uh, they settled there, and then the, I guess it was very comfortable, and they, they didn't feel to go so all the time uh, discovering new places. And then they stay there for, well, quite a while. And then they start again uh, about uh, 200 BC. So a new wave of discovery began, led by, led by the direct ancestors, ancestors of modern Polynesians. And uh, from Samoa and Tonga, they sailed east, reaching the Cook Islands, Tahiti, and the Marquesas, a distance of some 2,500 miles. Then uh, new discoveries were made, first Hapa and then uh, Easter Island and then Hawaii, which was settled by, uh, uh, after that, uh, 400 uh, years. And also uh, they went as far as New Zealand, around uh, uh, 1000 after death of Christ. Five centuries before Columbus, while Europeans were still hugging coastlines without the benefit of modern navigational tools, the Polynesians had settled virtually every island group of the Pacific, establishing a single sphere of cultural life encompassing some 10 million square miles of the Earth's surface. The question we have only now began to answer is how. So is it possible uh, for us to make uh, the parallel of, uh, of a discovery, the parallel of uh, such uh, immense uh, new territory found by uh, human civilization to a spiritual search. I think this is quite possible, and this is what great uh, spiritual uh, seekers did, and one of them, the Buddha, that left us uh, all his teachings and that uh, we are now practicing. So how did the, did, did the sailors, uh, they were uh, going around, and uh, here, they say that, uh, you know, they went there and uh, they found somebody who, uh, who he is an Hawaiian uh, person. And uh, so his name, you know, like uh, they, 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 they met somebody here yeah, and his name is Nanoa Thompson and he's 56 years old. And uh, he... Uh, they found, you know, 
they established the Polynesian Voyaging Society. And also they had a, a boat, they, they, they create a type of, uh, of uh, boat, they called it the Okulea. And it's a beautiful vessel named after Arctus, the sacred star of Hawaii. A replica of the great uh, seafaring canals of ancient Polynesia. And it's a double hull, open-decked, shipped, 62 feet long, 17 feet wide, lashed together by 8 miles of rope, with a fully loaded displacement of nearly 24,000 pounds. So, uh, that boat can carry a crew of uh, 10, including captain and wayfinder, two quite distinct roles. On board is not a single modern navigational aid, save a radio only, to be used in case of dire emergency. There is no sextant, no depth, no, no depth gauge, or uh, no GPS, no transponder. There are only the multiple senses of the navigator and the knowledge of the crew. So the, that person that uh, uh, was saying that to understand the genius of the ancient Polynesians uh, Naimoa, the person, told me on deck as we left Kaur in a fierce rain, you must begin with the fundamental elements of the Polynesian world, that is wind, waves, clouds, stars, sun, moon, birds, fish, and the water itself. Bring to these the raw power of empirical observation, of universal human inquiry. The skills of the traditional navigator are not unlike those of the scientist. He learns through direct experience and by testing hypotheses with information drawn from all branches of the natural sciences, astronomy, animal behavior, meteorology, oceanography. Temper this with lifelong training that demands impossibly uh, intense commitment in all the disciplines. All the intellectual bias of humanity, in other words, together with the full potential of human desire and ambition, is applied to the challenge of the sea. So, uh, before going too long, uh, I will just propose a, free, uh, a few parallels that we can make with that. Now we have a boat, and there is a crew of about, about 10 people, and two of them are very important. The captain, not the captain, the navigator, and the uh, wayfinder. Is it just me? Yeah, I'm not a navigator. No. <laughs> so we have the navigator and also the wayfinder. No, 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 it's not the, I'm sorry. Yes, the captain, including captain and wayfinders. Yes. But I think also, 
Oh. I think the captain also, here I just said captain, but later we'll find that the, the captain also is called the, the, the navigator. But anyway, uh, here we have two important figures, and this is the captain and the wayfinder. So uh, I will say that uh, the captain will be mindfulness, and uh, the wayfinder will be wisdom. Because without wisdom, we cannot uh, see where we are going. Without uh, wisdom, uh, we lose our uh, way. And with delusion, that is, uh, with a deluded mind, then also we are confused about uh, the direction uh, which we have to uh, proceed. So the wayfinder, uh, we will see also later how that person is described. So the wayfinder is the wisdom, and the other one is mindfulness, and then the crew is all the good qualities that we have, that we have like in the, uh, uh, as a chetasika, you know, like faith, my, uh, and then all these things that are the beautiful uh, subana chetasika. Also, uh, so, also the boat, the boat also could be our body. So the body is directed by the mind. So we are the captain, the mindfulness is captain, and then the, uh, the wisdom uh, is the wayfinder, and then all the other chitasika, they combine uh, the energy of the mind so that the mind uh, can uh, proceed and uh, orient the body to do the actions that, uh, that are wished for. Here also the uh, parallel that is made with the science is important because uh, they say that uh, that the person learns through direct experience and by testing hypotheses with information drawn from all the branches of the, of the natural science. And also it is an intense commitment and discipline So here also the last phrase of that paragraph was saying all the intellectual brilliance of humanity, in other words, together with the full potential of human desire and ambition, is applied to the challenge of the sea. So uh, we have seen, you know, briefly uh, some qualities like uh, the the four uh, way, not the four idipada, you know, the four bases of success. So we had chanda, virya. Chitta, Vimangsa, the desire, the strong will, then uh, the effort. After that, we have the mind, the consciousness, and lastly, the inve investigation. So these four bases can be represented here, I can say. And then the challenge of the sea, what will the sea be uh, represented by? The sea, the sea could be life itself, but also the sea, maybe also the sea, the sea of our thoughts. Maybe the sea that is uh, all the interpretations, all the movement that uh, 
our mind is, is creating in relation to reality. The sea also can be the elements themselves. So it's open to us to make the parallel. But I think those two things are part of uh, the big ocean. So to come back to our story, that person, Nayanona Thompson, he learned since uh, uh, he did learn, you know, about for about uh, 30 years with uh, with this master. And this master is a uh, he was one of the he was born in one of these uh, Caroline Islands of uh, Micronesia. So when uh, that uh, person, you know, the, 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 the navigator, the master, uh, grew up. Then at, at the age of one, he was selected to be, uh, to, uh, to be a navigator. And then uh, since the age of one, he was trained to, uh, uh, to learn how to, uh, how to handle the ships in the, uh, in the sea like this. And uh, his training was quite, uh, well, it started early, but also it was uh, very demanding. And, but, but also, uh, he was selected to inherit the ancestral teachings. So it's a part of a, it was a, it, it is seen as a traditional teaching. So it's a, it's a, it was handed down by tradition uh, to people who were really keen to, to, or who were also able to preserve, uh, to preserve the, the knowledge that uh, the ancestors had. So we will not go in the, te in the details that uh, he went through when, uh, when he started to learn. But one of them is that uh, uh, at the age of six, when, he, when they took him on a big boat, you know, on those big canoes, and uh, they took him to the sea to travel by sea. Some people may know, may know but uh, it's very different than to, to travel uh, on the water, on the, on the river. So when he was taken at the age of six or eight uh, in the sea, you know, he started to have a, a sick. Uh, uh, he was starting to be sick, you know, what it is. So uh, what what this teacher uh, did actually, he tied him with a rope and then he put him in the water and then he followed the canoe. Just like <laughs> so then, because there was no more of the fluctuation of the boat, then his uh, sickness uh, disappeared. But. Uh, Probably also psychologically, he, he, he would have thought, oh, well, I would be better, much better on the boat. Than that. <laughs> so it's enough to make him stop. So this person, Mo, you know, that master, he said that uh, he learned not only to sail, but also to understand the secrets of the big water the secrets of the big water, both the physics and the metaphysics of waves. It was said he could conjure islands out of the sea just by holding a vision of them in his imagination. So he learned to pay attention to weather, to read the waves, to understand the meaning of stars, as he put it, to plot a chart to an island in his mind. So already, you know, we see also that these people, you know, whether they are navigators or cultivators or people in touch with nature, 
with the elements of nature. So they are open to something uh, much bigger than them. And here we see that uh, that uh, it can also be related to uh, something spiritual. It is. Uh, it has an aspect of contemplation. So here he says that, of course, you know, it's a, it's a search for islands and things like this. But the but the ending of the of the paragraph is, as he puts it, to plot a chart to an island in his mind. So here they say that uh, the various things, you know, that uh, they are they are uh, using to to orient themselves. One of them is like uh, the clouds. So the clouds also provide the clues to the wayfinder. Their shape, color, character, and place in the sky. Brown clouds being strong winds. High clouds, no wind but lots of rain and etc. different types of clouds. So, so sometimes can we say that uh, we are a bit cloudy when, it, when, it, when we speak our, about our, ourselves? So that means the mind is, uh, well, is having some kinds of, uh, of, uh, of thoughts. So all kinds of thoughts also can appear there. Here they say, there is an entire nomenclature to describe the, dis the distinct patterns that clouds form as they gather over islands or sweep across the open ocean. Here the world also, there is an entire nomenclature. So what could we relate that? So the clouds is giving us an entire nomenclature that uh, the distinct uh, patterns they form. So we go on. Light alone can also be red, the rainbow colors at the edge of stars. The way they twinkle and dim with an impending storm, the tone of the sky over an island, always darker than that over open sea. Red skies at sunrise and sunset indicate humidity in the air. A hollow around the moon foreshadows rain, for it is caused by light shining through the ice crystals of clouds laden with moisture. The number of stars within the yellow anticipates the intensity of the storms. If there are fewer than 10, expect trouble, high winds, and torrential rain. If a double hollow surrounds the moon, the weather will move in on the wings of a gale. Other signs are found, are found in wildlife and sea marks as opposed to landmarks. 
Then they say that the fish, you know, like the shark, moving lazily in the sea, a lone bird separated from its flock, dolphins and porpoise swimming towards shelters, waters, herald a storm, while the flight of a frigate bird heading out to sea anticipates a calm, etc. You did describe all uh, all series of birds and fish and uh, all kinds of animals that uh, we can be aware of in the water. So these things are signs for the per for the person who is traveling. The person is very much aware. The person is very much uh, attentive and observing, uh, observating, because there are many things in nature that we don't see. Why? Because we don't look. Because we are, we are not there. So if we are to go very quiet in the wood, we will discover many things. If we are to go very uh, quiet on the sea, we will discover many things. So the quality of attention brings bring us to another perspective on life. We learn other things. And also, when we start to practice meditation. We start to be aware of all kinds of animals in our mind. Why not? All kinds of insects and, and birds, and sometimes very beautiful sunlight and moonlight, sometimes storms, all kinds of weather, all kinds of birds, all kinds of clouds. This we have experienced, but actually we started to be a little bit more aware of them because we paid attention. So this is the quality of meditation. We start to be aware of phenomenon. And the parallel we can make with science is we are learning from experience. So we are learning from phenomenon. We are learning to, from what is there by observation. And then we learn how to go. We learn how to proceed to our goal, we learn to understand also these elements, understand also uh, the elements of our mind, the element of our body, the elements of the life that is surrounding us, the elements of other people, other consciousness, the elements also of the whole universe. This we can understand when we start to pay attention to what is happening inside of ourselves. So the discovery we are going into with our meditation is also a process of observation, is also a process of becoming more sensitive, and also a process of being uh, able to observe very deeply. But this is very beautiful when we talk about it, and here the same thing happens. All of this made some made sense until we rounded the backside of Moloka, Molokai, and in the darkness of night sailed north into the face of a distant storm. As Naimoa, the captain, told me, it was one thing to know what to look for, these clues and signs and indications. Hmm? Because you can see from the clouds, you can see from the birds, or anything, oh, now the weather is going to be bad. 
it was quite another to pull it out altogether and confront in the moment the ever-changing power and reality of the sea. So, we have an experience, we have some anticipation, we have some sight and we have some knowledge, you know, coming from inside ourselves, coming from uh, real experience. But actually, a big challenge is going to wait for us when we are confronting the elements themselves, when we are out of uh, our protective environment. How are we going to sail when difficulties come? Sometimes we don't need to think so much about it because these things will just come on our head without us to choose. Did we choose today to have uh, a snowstorm? The weather cast, uh, forecast, they say uh, a snowstorm would come, but actually, uh, well, it came, but it's something different. <laughs> when it's there, then we have to we have to clean the way and uh, make way for where we want to go. Anyway, uh, I will continue, otherwise uh, it will not finish. Ah. So anyway, they had to face, uh, you know, the storm, and then the crew worked out, uh, worked in two-hour shift, with everyone taking a turn at the helm, which was not a rudder, but three long uh, steering paddles. Enshrouded by the night, the canoe itself became the needle of a compass that was the sky. So here it's interesting, that is the, the canoe, you know, in this uh, big field, in, the, in this big ocean, the canoe itself becomes the needle, uh, and also it becomes the needle to, from a big comp uh, the needle of a big compass. So by being aware of the movement of the canoe, by being aware of the dynamic of the canoe, together with the sea, they could uh, orient themselves. So here also, here they say about uh, the navigator, hmm? and uh, he, he, for that boat it was, the, it was a young woman, and her name was Kayulani. And uh, that lady, she will remain awake for 24 hours a day for the entire voyage, sleeping only the t for fleeting moments when the mind uh, demanded a rest. And that lady, like all of the experienced crew, could name and follow some 220 stars in the night sky. She knew and could track all the constellations, Scorpio and the Southern Cross, Orion and the Pleiades, and the North Star, Polaris. But for her, the most important stars were those low in the sky, the ones that had just risen, or were about to set. Nanoa explained, as the Earth rotates, every star comes up over the eastern horizon, describes an arc through the sky, and then sets on a west, uh, westerly uh, bearings. These two points on the horizon, where a specific star rises in the east and sets in the west, remain the same throughout the year though the time 
at which a star emerges, changes by four minutes uh, every night. So although uh, the, 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 the lady could see uh, many things, you know, and uh, many constellations. What was most important for her as a, as, a, as a navigator is to be able to orient the canoe, is, able, is to be able to orient the, uh, uh, the embarkation. And for that, she just needed a few uh, stars, and these were the stars that were in front of the horizon when the, when the horizon uh, was uh, showing up, when, the, uh, when she was looking at, at the horizon. So, uh, we could say that uh, although uh, the Dhamma, or although we may have uh, visions of uh, many things in our mind, what is important is how to orient our life, how to orient uh, things in a very practical way so that we don't lose uh, sight of uh, what we are doing and where we are going. So these things are the things that appear at the horizon, and these things also are the stars, a few stars, and these stars also are going to change. But nevertheless, we need to fix a few of them and then uh, make the journey. So also, you know, the, 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 they, they, they use the start for guiding the, for guiding the canoe and uh, um, then the navigator takes advantage of the canoe itself, positioning the vessel so that a particular star or celestial body remains a frame. So they, 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 they put the, the canoe in a way that uh, the st some stars are able to be framed within the uh, embarkation itself, and then they keep it as a, as a, guide, as a guide, guideline. So if, uh, if uh, uh, we make uh, still the parallel with uh, our spiritual journey, and if the, the canoe is our body, and also the crew is our mind, what will be the post? What will be the guidelines that uh, we could uh, have to orient, uh, to orient uh, our life? Maybe the four satipatthana, the four uh, bases of, uh, the, four, the four foundations of mindfulness. All of that relate to the boat. All of that also relate to the crew. All of that relate to the ocean. So we have the body, we have the mind, and also we have the relation of uh, the mind, the body, and also all the uh, objects that come in, uh, into contact with it, and also uh, all external objects that, 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 that can exist. So the mind has the possibility to know all of these things. So these four things are or can be a way for us to, to orient ourselves. So if we are able to manage in our boat uh, to, uh, to keep in mind or to keep uh, this foundation strong, then there is always the possibility not to lose uh, sight of our uh, direction, not to lose sight of our uh, goal, and also not to lose sight of uh, where we are. And also here they say that uh, when down comes the sun, always a critical transition for the wayfinder. So the sun, when the sun rises, then it's always a, a very critical uh, moment at that time. 
It's a moment to take measure of the sea and sky, study the winds and observe their impact on the waves. So the teacher had dozens of names just to identify the different colors caused by the path of the sun as its light and shadow rose and moved over the water. All of these told him something about the day to come. So it seems that the transition that is happening at dawn is very important. So is it possible? Like for us, when dawn is coming, then the new, the new day ahead is, is presenting itself. So at dawn, when we wake up, we can fix the day the way we want. We can orient also uh, our mind in the way that uh, it's going to fit what we are expecting or what we are seeing, what we are uh, evaluating from what uh, we, we think uh, you know, the elements are, are, are telling us. So in the morning when we wake up, we can put our antenna you know, and just try to go with the, uh, this type of... Uh, uh, well, it's not a radar, but uh, with these types of signs. But actually the sign is, is, is inside of us. And then also the signs also, the signs that uh, come uh, outside is the, are the signs that, uh, that the responsibilities that we have to um, encounter in life uh, are calling for us. So we know, okay, now we have to meet these people, we have to do this, or we have to be quiet, or whatever, whatever. The signs are, uh, can be seen when we wake up in the morning and when the sun is rising. Yeah, also there is a funny uh, number because uh, he talks about uh, the, the boat. The boat is square and uh, And then that boat allows the navigator to orient readily to the east and west at both sunset and uh, daybreak. There are eight marks incised along the railings on both sides of the vessel, each pair to a single point in the stem, giving bearings in two directions, fore and aft. 32 bearings altogether, which corresponds to the 32 directional houses, of the star compasses. So here we have eight, the number eight, which can be, well, I don't know, you, I know, but uh, you probably know. And, uh, and also we have 32 uh, bearings altogether, so 32, well, maybe the 32 parts of the, of the body can also, <laughs> <coughs> well, we, you know, we try to make a comparison to the, the numbers here. I don't know if you can find something that is more uh, uh, appropriate. So here, they say that, thus by day the wayfinder replicates the star compass of the night. And uh, the metaphor is that uh, the boat, Okuleya, it never moves. It simply waits. The axis mundi, as the islands rise out of the sea to greet her, 
So it's a kind of metaphor because the earth is, uh, is, is uh, always in uh, turning, you know. So if the boat uh, is sailing in, in one direction, then actually uh, the impression that uh, the person is having when he is on, on sea is that the islands are, are arising in the horizon. And then you have the impression that, well, you are always at the same place, and then the islands, they are coming to you. So also here that uh, the, the navigator must orient the vessel by the feel of the water. So we have to feel something. So it's also, uh, there is also a, an intuitive uh, aspect to that. It's not, uh, it's not intellectual. And then uh, he has to distinguish waves created by local weather, for example, from the swells generated by pressure systems far beyond the horizons from the deep ocean currents that run through the Pacific. So the swells and the currents, you know, are another way, uh, another means of orienting the vessel in time and space with the waves. So with the waves also, you know, the reverber reverberation of the waves across the all of the canoe, uh, by observing them, the person comes to know full well that every island group in the Pacific has its own refractive pa pattern that can be read, read uh, just as a force forensic uh, scientist will read a finger point. So all of this is extraordinary. Each one of these individual skills and intuitions a sign of certain brilliance. But as we isolate, deconstruct, even celebrate these specific intellectual and observational gifts, we run the risk of missing the, the entire point. The genius of Polynesian navigators lies not in the particular but in the whole, the manner in which all of these pieces of information come together in the mind of the wayfinder. So we see here the fault or the, 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 the weakness uh, that will lead us to miss the entire point is by giving too much uh, importance on uh, certain individual skills and intuitions. And then if we are able to see the whole, then uh, then uh, everything is, is, is more clear. So sometimes we get lost in details, sometimes we get lost also in, in, in particular, and then uh, to have a, a view, a, a perspective of uh, the whole picture is uh, always uh, something uh, necessary. Can you make a better parallel than that? Also, they can they are able to measure the, the speed of the boat, you know. So just you look at the at the water, the way that uh, uh, the, 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 the the foam that is forming when the water the, the, the boat is going, you know. So uh, 
the time that the, the boat takes to between the, the waves or by seeing the bubbles they are able to to evaluate the, 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 the speed at uh, the speed at which uh, the boat is going so here again to speak about uh, allness they say that the science and art of uh, navigation is holistic so I searched the word holistic in the dictionary and uh, I would like to give one of them and uh, in the in the medical field uh, holism is the, the treating of the whole person rather than just uh, the symptoms of a disease so that's interesting because uh, sometimes very often we are dealing with uh, with just a small disease and then we think oh this is the this is really the, the problem and we are not we are just looking at the symptoms we don't try to see the cause we don't see we don't try to uh, to uh, to diagnose uh, the whole uh, story behind uh, the disease, whether it is psychological or whether it is only uh, 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 biologic. So, uh, holism in medicine covers the entire aspect of, uh, of the person. And this is important in, the, in spirituality. We don't look only for one cause, we look for many causes. And then there are many causes for, uh, for the things to happen. So the navigator must process an endless flow of data, intuitions and insights derived from observations and the dynamic rhythms and interactions of wind, waves, the clouds, stars, suns and moon, and the flight of birds. Here, an, a phrase that is uh, uh, interesting is that you know, you only knew, you only know where you are by knowing precisely where you have been and how you got to where you are. You need to know where you have come from by memorizing from where you sailed. So that's pretty much what we talked about. We talked about causality and then we talked about uh, seeing causes, and then causes are not only in the present moment. There are, pre there are causes that are uh, in the present moment, but also there are causes that are in the past. So to understand the past is also a process of uh, uh, observation that we need to acquire in our uh, spiritual journey. So the navigators do not often sleep. They remain monk-like, undisturbed by the crew, with no mundane tasks to perform, sitting alone on a special perch at the stern of the vessel, tracking with their minds. If you can read the ocean, the teacher once told Nayanona, if you can see the island in your mind, you will never get lost. So that boat, you know, the, it is very. Uh, uh, it, it was a revival of all the Hawaiian uh, culture, and uh, and then the, that boat, which is uh, uh, was built in the 70s, uh, also uh, did uh, did the whole uh, trip, you know, from uh, from New Guinea to Hawaii, and uh, the, it is really uh, it's something that is. Uh, 
are very much uh, respected there. Like because they revived, they revived the, they revived the culture of the, the ancient Polynesians. So that same crew, you know, they organized themselves, and uh, and then that same crew actually in uh, one hundred in nineteen ninety nine, uh, they decided to uh, to to uh, to sail from uh, I think from Hawaii, and then they will try to sail and pull uh, the Easter's Island out of the sea. That means they will try to go to the Easter Island, which is almost uh, on the, the it's quite far. And uh, it's uh, the distance from Hawaii to Easter, Easter Islands is roughly 4,660 miles. But also because of the, of the winds, you know, uh, very uh, strong winds, then the, 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 the total sailing distance uh, to nearly uh, 10,000 miles. So it was a long journey, and they tried to do that without, uh, like the old ways, you know, without any compass, uh, without any, uh, you know, uh, any uh, modern type of uh, instruments on the board, except for, for the radio. And also the food and the water rations were cut in half to lighten the load. So if uh, you look on the sea, you know, to find a small island like the Easter Island, although the island is about 14 miles long, uh, it is very difficult to do if you don't have uh, the, 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 the technology. But, uh, and also if you just miss by a small degree, you know, then you, you can miss the whole, uh, the whole island. And, uh, and um, actually this was... Uh, this was their challenge, and they, they, they will search for the island, sailing back and forth in a grid, careful that uh, on the downwind runs to the west, they will not overshoot and find themselves uh, forced by the winds to sail on s for South America. So when they were doing, you know, the, 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 that group, you know, they, they, they tried to, to sail from Hawaii to the Easter Island, and uh, here, he, there is a point that uh, the, 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 the writer or the, the, the person mentioned and that, uh, is that uh, at a certain point, the captain or the navigator uh, he snapped awake in a doze, in a daze, and uh, realized that uh, with the overcast skies and the sea fog, he had no idea where they were. He had lost the continuity of mind and memory essential to survival at sea. He masked his fear from the crew and in despair remembered Mao's words. So actually, if uh, you have to know where you come from, to know where you are, and then if you don't remember, if you are not able to locate uh, that anymore, uh, you are just lost. So, what did he do? They were lost. They were completely lost in the sea. And then he panicked a little bit, but actually he kept it cool. And what were the words that he remembered? The words of his teacher. 
Can you see the image of the island in your mind? Can we see the island? Can we see the image of the island in our mind? That's what we are coming to. And uh, the island in our mind, the island in ourself, the island as our refuge. So the island is not outside, the island is in our mind. The, the island is our, in, in ourselves. So if we don't panic, if we slow down, if we don't rush, then we are coming back to this island. And uh, as we have uh, spoken about that last week, I would like also to uh, just to add a few uh, details concerning that, that quotation, like I said, that Ananda, from, the, from one book, the Diga, the Diga Nikaya, they say that when Ananda, when the Buddha was home, then Ananda asked the Buddha, okay, no, no, the, the Buddha told him that he, he was starting to be home, and then he told him, you'll be a refuge for yourself. And then what was the... Uh, the explanation of how to be a refuge for yourself, how to be an island for yourself, and the answer was the four satipatthana. So if somebody practices the four satipatthana, then the island, then the refuge is uh, settled again in ourselves. So this is the island in ourselves. But there is another quotation also uh, regarding uh, to be a refuge in ourselves, uh, regarding to be an island in ourselves, and this is in the in the Sangyutta Nikaya, and uh, here, mm-hmm. here there is a slight difference, and uh, it says that um, to be a refuge or to make uh, ourselves as an island or to make the Dhamma as a refuge with no other refuge, then what should be done? Then uh, the basis itself should be investigated thus. From what are sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and despair born? How are they produced? So here the, 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 the interesting thing is that uh, it's not saying about Dukkha. It's saying about Dukkha, uh, but it is asking from what... Uh, from what are sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and despair born? How are they produced? So, uh, it's a question of causality. So, we don't say it's Dukkha, but actually it is. So, sometimes if we are lost, sometimes if we are wherever we are, then we can ask ourselves, okay, now, what is the cause? And then now also, how are these causes produced? So by taking refuge in that, that means we are taking responsibility for our actions. We are taking responsibility for, for where we are, isn't it? We just stop, we stop our boat, and we say, oh, okay now, the mother has pushed us there, the wind has pushed us there, also the mind has led us towards this direction or towards that direction, the mind, the navigator our mindfulness or our own mindfulness, our wisdom or our delusion. So these navigators, these, that crew, our mind, uh, have led us to where we are.
but also here it gives us, uh, you know, not only talking about the cause, but uh, it is uh, again suggesting the same attitude that uh, uh, somebody who is uh, practicing should have, and uh, that uh, the person. The person who does not, who regards uh, material form as self, or self as possessing form, or form as in self, or self as in form, that uh, form, this materiality of his changes and alters, with the change and alterations of uh, uh, materiality, there arise in him sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and despair. So, actually, the reason is just, uh, the reason for sorrow and uh, suffering is just that the fact uh, of having a wrong attitude to see the things from the beginning, to see that as self. So, of course, it's easy to say, as we uh, have uh, explained, but it's another thing uh, to do it. But uh, here again, you know, just the emphasize is that, uh, but uh, when one, uh, one has understood the impermanence of uh, materiality, is change, fading away, and cessation, and when one sees that re as it really is, with correct wisdom does, in the past also, in the past and also now, all materiality is impermanent, suffering and subject to change. Then the sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure and this pain are, despair are abandoned. With their abandonment, one does not become agitated. Being unagitated, one dwells happily. A bhikkhu who dwells happily is said to be quenched in all in that respect. So the same thing in regard to the feeling, to the perceptions and the vo uh, volition formations and consciousness. And also in the past and also now, all consciousness is impermanent, suffering and subject to change. So uh, the thing is that uh, we are looking at what is there, we are looking at the five khandhas, we see now what is there, but also we see that uh, it was the same thing in the past. So, although uh, this is our refuge, this is our self, we see that that self is not there. We see that the attachment of a self also is creating suffering. And this is the cause of the suffering. But how? How can we uh, make ourselves a refuge and how can we make ourselves uh, an island if uh, that self is changing? Yeah, there is another, uh, you know, it's not paradoxal, but uh, in the Dhammapada, uh, there is also uh, some words about the self, and there is a whole chapter on that, and uh, I will not uh, uh, extend uh, too much here, but uh, just uh, give uh, two quotations. So one is the paragraph 163 of the Dhammapada, and I will just read the, the English, it will be easier. Easy to do are things not good, and those harmful for oneself. But what is beneficial and good is exceedingly difficult to do. So it's not, it's not easy to do good things. And it's very easy to do bad things. 
So is there a choice? Then in the paragraph 165, by oneself is wrong done, by oneself is one defiled. By oneself wrong is not done, by oneself surely is one cleaned, cleans. One cannot purify another. Purity and impurity are in oneself. So uh, I will not go with the comments of that, but just to add that uh, actually what represents ourself is nothing more than our actions, isn't it? This is, this is what it seems to, uh, to express. If we do good things, then the mind is defiled. If the mind is defiled, also we do well. We, uh, if, the, if we do good things, the mind is, uh, is clean, and then if we don't do good things, uh, the mind is defined, and then with the defined minds, also bad things happen. But anyway, the, all that represents uh, karma, it represents actions, and then also actions is based on volition. So this is what it means to take a refuge in ourselves. So now, they speak about refuge, atta dipa, that means an island to, into yourself, and also atta saranang. So we were speaking about the three refuge, buddhang, damang, sangang. Here is there attang saranang. To be more precise, we could say kamang saranang. And there are a few monks, you know, I mean a few old teachers, that are adding uh, this uh, fourth refuge. That means we are taking refuge in our actions. We are taking refuge in our kamma. What is this? This is physical kamma, this is verbal kamma, actions, but also it is mental kamma. So we are the results of these actions, we are re re the results of our volitions. So here is our duty, here is our refuge, our volition, our actions. Isn't it good? Isn't it uh, uh, something deep that uh, we can uh, learn, you know? And then also we can remember in our life, our volitions or our mind is our refuge in our mind. Our actions also is our uh, safety and island. But also with this in mind, we can actually make a home of our mind. So our real home, our real refuge is in ourselves. So is it possible again to make uh, our home, our mind? And then our home being our mind also, uh, our actions also are going to be our, uh, the expressions or the furniture that we are putting in that, uh, in that, uh, 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 well, in that life. But also, uh, the, 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 the phrase, you know, it says that uh, you should have oneself, uh, yourself as, a, as your refuge, yourself as, as, as an island. 
and also uh, the Dhamma as your refuge and also the Dhamma as your, uh, as your island. So, uh, is there another refuge or is it the same thing? So, the Dhamma is just the law. So, when we are taking refuge in the Dhamma, then we are taking refuge in, in the law itself. And then uh, the self also, if we define ourselves as being our actions, then whether they are good or not good, it's still Dhamma. Because the Dhamma is just the law. If we do good things, we get good results. If we don't do good things, we don't get good results. So we are taking refuge in our actions. So whatever uh, uh, we have done, this is the results that uh, we are uh, bearing. So uh, to come back to our analogy and uh, our traveling in the sea, when there is a big storm, when we have lost our way, when we don't know uh, what to do, what do we do? We take refuge. We find the island in our mind. The island is not out there. What we are looking for is not out there. It's inside already, of course. The external thing will be an expression or uh, the external things also are going to be uh, some kind of uh, grounding, uh, uh, repair, uh, uh, relation on which we can uh, orient our, ourselves. But actually the aim is to find the island within ourselves, and this is very important. And then if we know that the island ex already exists there, then, uh, then we can be at peace. And this island represents uh, Kamma, but also this, this island also represents the sublime peace of Nibbana. So the Dhamma also is, is uh, the Nibbana is there. So the, 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 the faraway island that we are, uh, aspire to reach. That is the final peace, the, 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 the deep peace. Is there peace in the world? We do things and then we are always going somewhere thinking, ah, oh, one day I will reach that uh, paradise island somewhere and uh, sometime and it's somewhere, sometimes, out of space, out of time. But actually, can we make it in our life? Can we make it real? We have to start with the roots, we have to start to, to remember that this uh, place of peace is actually inside of ourselves. So by remind, uh, remembering that, whatever storm is happening, then we just calm down, and then whatever we don't remember, it doesn't matter. You know? So now we have been here for four months or uh, for some time, and uh, it may be a little bit difficult to adjust again to the world, or you know, just to find again the speed and adapt again. But uh, in, in, in time of uh, difficulty, what we have to do, uh, we just have to stop and then just be quiet and come back to, uh, to ourselves, and then things will happen. We don't need sometimes to change things. This is the nature of things to change. So if we leave the things as they are, if we look at the things as they are, understand also the law of uh, conditionality, the law of karma, then we take can take responsibility for, 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 for where we are, we can take responsibility also for what we want to do. And this is, our, this is very important. So when the, when the captain, you know, the navigator, uh, remembered the, the, the word of his teacher, can you see the image of the island in your mind? Then he became calm and realized that he had already found the island. It was the boat. And he had everything he needed aboard the sacred canoe. Suddenly, the sky brightened 
and a beam of warm light appeared on his shoulder. The clouds cleared and he followed that beam directly to Easter Island. So if we have a little bit of patience, if we have a little bit of time to just observe, we will see that eventually cloud are, clouds are passing, but eventually the sun is going to give us uh, its warm. The sun also is, is going to give us its light. And this is the mind. So the mind by itself sometimes is clouded, and but also uh, when it's not clouded, then the, the, the sun is a, is a good... Uh, a good way to, well, the sun is just bringing light, and then when we have light we can see, and uh, when we can see then it's not a problem anymore, nothing. So this was the adventure of, uh, of these people, huh? and, uh, and then also the last uh, sentence here of, the, of that article is that uh, So the person is just like, a, like I don't try to copy or like it's a genuine thing, you know, the, the research and the tradition that was maintained by the navigators. And the, uh, so he called, he called that, he called his boat, you know, the sacred canoe and the spaceship of uh, the ancestors. So we can also see that our spiritual path also, or our life or our being also, is a, we can use it as a sacred canoe and the teaching also can be a sacred canoe and the, and the spaceship of, uh, of, uh, from the ancestors. Then the last phrase that he writes is, if you took all of the genius that has followed us to put a man on the moon and applied it to an understanding of the ocean, what you will get is Polynesia. So it's a wonderful parallel. You know, that uh, actually it took a lot of uh, human effort and a lot of human uh, genius <coughs> to create, you know, the science of navigator that, uh, that, that, uh, that was actually kept alive with the Polynesian. But also, if we put, uh, you know, the parallel with our spiritual journey, if all the energy of mankind, we don't deny, uh, you know, uh, astro or astrology or... The, the space and the discovery and things like this, and also uh, the discoveries of a uni uh, new uh, universe. But if we were to put all the energies of humankind, you know, that is uh, employed to, to go on the moon and to go uh, uh, and to find uh, new things in the technology, to the science of uh, the, the science of spirituality, then also we would have something uh, very interesting. And actually. Uh, there is a depth also in spirituality that can be uh, found in, in, in science. So sometimes if we are amazed with the, with the wonder of science, also we can be amazed at, at the wonder of spirituality. And spirituality actually is uh, very much uh, important. Because although we can go to the moon, well, we will still be carrying the same mind. So. <laughs> Uh, 
just another parallel, you know, is that uh, since we made a parallel, I mean, the, the story with the, with the, with the boat, with the canoe, then what the what the Buddha he says, you know, in, in his discourse about uh, about traveling the not about the crossing the uh, crossing the stream, he says that uh, once somebody has crossed the stream and then with the raft, then what the person should do with the raft, uh, with the boat? I mean, look at the boat that he have created. So should the person carry the raft on his shoulder all the way? You know, when the person is on the other shore. Should the, the person? What should the person do with the with the raft that uh, that they help him to uh, to cross over? Of course, we can leave it for other people, you know. But definitely, it will not be very beneficial for us to carry it on our shoulder. And then the message there is that uh, although the dhamma is uh, something that has been saving our life. The Dhamma has been something that has helped us or is still helping us to, to cross over the flood of, uh, uh, of uh, Sangsara. Then uh, we don't need to carry that on our shoulder once we have uh, reached the shore. The, once we have uh, reached uh, the other shore. But actually, uh, we should not also let it go when we are in the midstream. So it's important to be detached, but uh, we should not be detached too soon because uh, because we can we can think. So we should not forget the dhamma and then use it properly and know that it's just a raft that is going to to take us uh, on the other shore. But also in that simile that uh, the Buddha was giving is that uh, he says that although you, we don't we should not be attached attached to the Dhamma, still uh, much more important is that, uh, uh, you know, we should uh, even discard all the wholesomeness that is there. In, so if we have to discard the very uh, wholesome uh, things that represent the Dhamma, we should not be attached to that, then much more so should we not be attached or we should discard all the, all the bad things, so all the times. We have to uh, we we have to keep ourselves uh, into wholesomeness. Um, uh, so we were very lucky, I think, to uh, to have done this journey and also to have uh, just a little bit of mechanic. <laughs> To, uh, to, to work in the future and uh, life is, uh, is opening to us and uh, I mean it has always been open and uh, we should still uh, carry on you know with uh, what we have uh, what we have to do and uh, what uh, we, we, we think uh, um, is going to be beneficial so we all, we all take our sales and then we all go uh, to uh, where uh, life is, uh, is calling us but also we all go with uh, with a mind of a, uh, with a good mind. So to finish here, I will say that uh, because many people, you know, we are so pleased. Huh? We are, it, it was very uh, interesting to meditate together, and then also to have this uh, this four months together. It's, it was very special. So many people they say thank you, you know, thank you to the sadhu, oh, and then thank you and. And, and here, just uh, the, my last uh, words is that uh, a quotation from Robinson, and he says, Robinson, uh, you may not know him, I don't know him either. 
<laughs> so he says uh, there are two types of uh, gratitude. You have the sudden kind we feel for what we take, and then we have the larger kind for we feel for what we give. So, so we can also be grateful when we are able to give something. So in life, when you are able to give something, if some, if when, then also we we should have the that the quality of uh, gratitude. So. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.